queue up another great quality check podcast episode by your boys here joining you right now is one of your hosts daniel posey and joining me across the galaxy with earbuds in his ears is drew douglas got my zoom out i'm across the galaxy jamming to some 90s music oh yeah we have queued up a new decade, a new era of music. Uh, I would say, would you say the 90s is your favorite era of music? Oh, yes, for sure. Hands down. It's good. It's so good. It's the best. Even though, you know, the 2000s, I was really into various music, but listening back to this, a lot of that stuff, um, it just, it, it doesn't, it's not as good as the 90s, in my opinion. The 90s is just peak music for me. It doesn't really seem to have a lasting effect that the 90s music did and, or does. And so for this, though, it's funny because looking back, though, it seems like the 70s and 90s have such a link in terms of experimental music, but it sounds good. It's like pushing forward and making like new sounds or different sounds and just unique, like making it their own. And I always thought the connection was there. But hey, Drawing a connection for you all right now. It's us. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, hence the play playlist, but also talking in terms of the 90s music, since Volume 3 deals heavily in 90s music. But did you see that on um, on the Zoom for Peter? Pretty early on in the movie that it listed, like, the decades, and I think it goes all the way up to 2000s, right? Yes, and I feel like that was late in the movie. Oh, was? Okay, well, I just spoiled. <laughs> we should say the spoiler. I mean, that's not a spoiler, but we'll say from here on out, spoilers. I'm pretty confident that's pretty late in the movie when he gives Rocket the Zoom. Oh, yeah, that's right. When he gives old Rocket the Zoom. I never owned a Zoom. I always had an iPod. Yeah, me too. But this weirdly makes me want to find a Zoom. It's funny because whenever they ended up having that and they talked about the zoom or brought zoom in for the second film uh, i kept thinking wait a second are they jumping the gun like when did the zoom come out i'm like oh wait a second actually it was um it came out in like the mid 2000s 2006 i i had an old sony mp3 player when they were fairly relatively new but like starting to be mass marketed and it was one, I don't know if you re- remember, I could only hold like 25 to 30 songs depending on the oh, file yeah. size. <laughs> and then I went to the, uh, obviously the iPod, which I had various versions of that. And I always was like, I'm go- I love this iPod. Like you can put music on a phone, but why would I want to do that? That's so stupid. I have my iPod. And now I'm at a point where everything I have is on my phone. Yeah, me too. And there was, I, I was a holdout just like Peter for, instead of a Walkman, I had, it was a CD. And I still say, I love the sound of CDs. I just, I love it. And whenever I did use my iPod, I'd use it for like working out and all that stuff. But I would end up, I got, I kept, I would always win my iPods. Like I won my first one, the first iPod that I ever got was in a competition, um, like a video competition. And then it was like the touch, the first time they had the iPod touch. And then after that, I think I got like, um, it was a, a computer. And then it came with a free iPod uh, classic. And I, like, it's wild though, thinking back that the iPod, I just pulled this up. The very first 
iPod came out on October 23rd, 2001. Ooh, yeah. 2001. Yeah, I remember rocking those in college. I don't know if I had one in high school. I probably had a hand-me-down, which still worked well. I remember early high school, or probably around that time, I had a you know the Sony Walkman or the the Discman. Oh yeah, because I would be on the I would be on the school bus, and anytime you hit a bump, you had to kind of <laughs> raise it up because you didn't want to skip. But uh, it is funny how music is so. Like I I remember all that stuff. You know that was a long time ago, but that was always very important to me was to have a soundtrack playing in my head for whatever I was doing, being on the school bus, walking to class, always had something in my ears. Yeah, I agree. I, I felt the same way. It was, And that's what made creating a, like a, an actual mixtape, a burned CD mixtape, and going back before that, you would end up having where you can do that with cassettes. And I remember doing that with a cassette before moving on to a CD. And... That's so cool. Like something about making your own mixtape still to this day is like one of the best gifts you could ever give or receive. Did you ever, because I remember doing this, recording songs off the radio onto cassette because when I was young, we didn't have, you weren't just downloading and burning. So I remember specifically listening for songs that I loved. And when it, when it, you know, started, you're like quick to hit record so I could take that <laughs> with me. <laughs> I think that's one of the smartest things that James Gunn tapped into immediately with Volume 1 was Peter with the Walkman uh-huh. because it's it's something that's obviously carried on for every single movie, but music is it's an easy way. One, you can just play it over stuff, and it, it, makes, it changes how you feel about what you're watching, but it's something that I would say 99% of people can easily relate to and then you're just immediately into the movie it's I, i've got many tapes uh, i know somewhere and i'm sure they're all like now completely deteriorated and there's nothing left on those but i know back in the day man i i valued those so much and especially with the mixtapes moving on to cds i still have some i keep i carry some around i still have a cd player in my car and Every now and again, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta pop one in and listen to it. Yeah, I do too, and I still listen to it. And if you notice, I mean, a lot of pre-orders for music that I listen to, um, they're like bands are selling cassette tapes now for all their new stuff. Yeah, and it also looks cool. Like if you put it up there, there's something that's retro about the cassette, but also like a VHS tape. And I know it's like totally out of style, and and we don't use it in mass, but it still it looks cool. It does look cool. Like that physical media, you know? Yes. And I still like, I still buy physical media. One, because I just don't think anything tops the quality of it. But Mm -hmm. I wish I still had my old VHS tapes. Just to have. There's so many, especially like the old, I used to have so many like Disney movies and they're in the, you know, those bulky holders, the cases that would just like, you kind of popped them open. Um, I miss that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Honestly, I ended up getting several VHS tapes or through my parents where they would end up having, um, they've got several tapes as well. I've thought about breaking those out and taking those and literally just using them as like a, almost like an office setting. 
or something like that. You remember how long it used to take from the point that a movie would come out mm-hmm. to the point that it was actually released on home video? It's always like it took so long that it was you you were excited for that to come out. And that was obviously a huge moneymaker for studios because that was like a second wind, essentially a re-release, but at home. But um, I miss that. I mean, it's nice to have everything so fast nowadays, but I do miss like the long rollout that it used to be. But that's not what we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about Guardians Volume 3, which is the third movie in the franchise. It's the final one written and directed by Mr. James Gunn, who we mentioned before. It's also the final one featuring all of these characters that we've come to know and love Mm -hmm. all together again. This is movie, I guess, number 32 in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Jeez. The second movie of Phase 5 following Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Have you rewatched that? No, I have not. I have actually thought about it, and Ugh. especially after we've talked about it, I've really, I've been very tempted to, to. I almost went to the theater to see it one oh final time, God. yeah, and I didn't. I, I did not, but I thought about it, and I kind of regret not doing that, um, but I'm also maybe thinking myself, future self may have prevented my current self from seeing it again in theaters uh but no i i will i just now like right now it's like dropped off my radar so much especially after watching guardians volume three um and looking back i feel like this movie has made me reflect on the phase that we've received since uh no way home and it really makes me look I don't know, harsher on the MCU um, and just be more critical. Like I've been very forgiving. And now looking back, I have felt very critical looking back on, on the movies um, and even on Ant-Man. I was a lot softer on Quantumania. And now I'm like, yeah, that's that's not a good movie. I think because they're not on a roll like they used to be where they were pretty consistent, even if they weren't all knockouts that we were seeing issues, you know, a little more clearly. It does. That's another thing looking back. I remember enjoying it like I was entertained, but now I just I just don't, like my interest has gone down so significantly. I'm like, eh, there are a lot of other things coming out. Now this Guardians film that we're going to talk about, it follows the uh, the characters on a mission to save the life of Rocket Raccoon, who is the target of a villain named the High Evolutionary. And there's quite a bit to digest with that character. But before we get into him, I just want to know, loves, hates, right off the bat, for Volume 3. Oh, I definitely loved this movie. This felt like a, a little bit of a breath of fresh air, to be honest. Um, and it was where it felt kind of small scale or smaller scale than what we've received based on like Quantumania could have been and should be in all degrees a huge like there are a lot of ramifications uh no way home dabbling in the multiverse same way with multiverse of madness and it seems like all of that should have set up a lot more than 
what we actually got. Like, it seems like those movies, there should have been a lot more ramifications uh, than what we saw at all at the end of the, all of those movies. And this movie, it was nice to spend time with these characters. This felt like kind of a hangout movie. Um, but it was mission-based. And it was very much so kind of what James Gunn, I feel like, is good at doing, which is like a retro-style mission-based plot of where we've got them not only under attack, but they're also doing this to save the life of one of their own and how, what they're willing to do for each other. And there was something very sincere about this that I liked. And it just, that's where it felt like a breath of fresh air. Did you know that was the plot of the movie, by the way? No, I didn't. I didn't either. Once it started uh, and we realized that was the point of the movie, uh, I didn't expect it. I thought it was kind of cool. And yeah, everything was self-contained and small. I mean, mm-hmm. big stakes for them, but relatively to the MCU, it was small, small scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, we've talked so often recently about just this feeling of the MCU being on a downward trend. And a lot of it is, I, I when I say it's a sinking ship like Titanic, it is a bit of, of an overstatement, though I am completely serious that it is going downhill. And I feel myself less and less interested with every new movie. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, the MCU is like a band that you were listening to when they like were first getting started. And then you listen to them for 10, 15, 20 years. And every time they put out something new, you kind of realize, oh, this isn't meant for me anymore. Like, it's just not hitting the same way. Yeah, We kind of talked about this with Foo Fighters. They haven't hit me... Um, they haven't hit hard for me in a long time. I still listen to them. They still have songs that I like, but they're not the same band that I fell in love with when they came around in 95 or whenever that was. Now, those bands, say Foo Fighters, for instance, every once in a while, they'll release a song and you're like, well, that reminds me of the music I fell in love with You know, when you guys were making albums 20 years ago and that's what this felt like to me it was like that old school marvel movie that i was like oh this is why i like the mcu so much and it it felt like there was something to say other the underneath the veneer of the superhero film and i felt like there were a lot of those on which we got early on in the mcu leading all the way up to endgame and i mean endgame is definitely like hands down such a comic book movie but it was just the build-up leading to that whereas like what's followed it's been so lackluster i feel because we've looked to like what you said why do we fall in love with this in the first place this entire cinematic universe and this movie it seemed to be i think it's where james gunn still has that connection before with the way things were and that's the through line here um, but it's also, I think since he's, uh, with, with seeing this through though, it's where he's evolved and he's changed, but so have all these characters and they're all very, you could say they're a different version. Even Drax seems different. Yeah. I feel like James is smart enough to know why people like what they like. And you can evolve it and you can change it, but at the core, you have to keep it 
you have to make it for those people. Mm-hmm. I think all three of these have had emotional moments. This one in particular had a number of moments that got me misty-eyed. And I'm a huge animal person. I'm watching this just thinking about my dog and my cat and how much I just want to go home and snuggle with them and give them kisses because this movie is, it's grim. It's dark. It might be the darkest MCU movie we've had in a long time. Or is it the darkest that we've had, period, in terms of it just being bleak and and very hard to watch at times? I, I did wonder, you know, Thanos, he wanted to destroy half of all living things. And that's bad. I can admit that. But for some reason, the high evolutionary in this movie is like the sickest person imaginable. I I hated this guy so much. I don't like seeing animals in cages. And then he's just like this mad scientist torturing them it's so grim but i walked away thinking you know james gunn really loves animals he i just felt his love for animals shining through on this but did you think the subject matter was a little too too heavy for this did you ever want it to stop um i and this is going to sound weird i i did not enjoy the subject matter but i enjoyed the fact that we actually got something where there are stakes that's how it felt to me there are stakes to this in multiple ways and for that, I appreciate that we actually went there. I do think, however, that even though, as I said, it's tough to watch, I think this is going to be very off-putting for families because now you're not just going in as like watching it from a perspective of, okay, well, what was the first Guardians like? That's relatively lighthearted, even the second one. But even now you go in and... If you're a parent and you've got like your preteen or teens, even with teenagers, that's going to be an interesting car ride home talking about some of this stuff. You might be leaving early. I've seen a number. If you look on the Rotten Tomatoes user reviews, there's a number of them where they're like, we left early because we couldn't take it. Mm. And it's like right off the bat, too, where I was like, <laughs> I <It is>. don't <laughs> like I hate it. I hate that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. Was it too dark? I don't think so. I think that it got very close to being way too dark, um, or maybe too too dark for or too too bleak for the MCU. But um, it made me wonder: Is this what we're going to get with James Gunn heading over to the DC? Oh God, I hope not. Were you into the High Evolutionary? Here's the thing: like you said. Because of what he does, you hate him. You want you want this guy. You want Star Lord and the rest of the team to rip this guy apart. And however, it's a very interesting concept of he's just trying to create like the perfect society. And I also love that they're driving by, and that was one of my favorite scenes where they're driving by and they're seeing like a drug deal gone bad and stuff like that. And when Star Lord's talking to him, he's like. So that's your idea of a perfect society. Um, So moments like that and who we get, especially from the actor who plays him, uh, Chikuti Awuji, right? Uh, Chikuti Awuji. Awuji, there we go. Um, He's a great actor, and in this, I think he... He's fantastic in this, but I hated his guys. And he elevates that character. He makes that character better for hating him and you hate him you like i said you hate him i think that 
this was one of the better villains that we've re- we've received. But I mean, be prepared to want this guy to be ripped apart. Like you are ready for Rocket to tear into the guy's face. Like you're cheering Rocket on when he turns that guy into a return of the living dead creature. I hated everything about him. I truly, I don't think I've ever hated an MCU villain as much. I mean, I can tell you flat out, I I haven't. Was there anything else you didn't like? Like the first 90 minutes were a little up and down for me. Like we have this, I don't know. It was like they do the first heist. It's like in the, the Nathan Fillion location. And I'm like, this feels just, it feels too reminiscent of the prison outbreak yeah. in volume one. And uh, I mean, it took me, I thought the beginning started off pretty strong. And then we kind of was, you know, dipped into familiar territory, which I wasn't huge on. Again, I, I think it'll probably pay play better on repeated watches. But the first half of this is just mixed. And then I think the back half is pretty strong. I agree with that. Um, I I would say that the second half is a better movie, a stronger movie. And I think once they land on uh, Counter-Earth, that's whenever it really becomes like it clicks into gear and and becomes like its own. Uh, And a little bit before that as well. But yeah, that where they're breaking in and with Nathan Fillion, that was okay. I didn't dislike it. Uh, but I felt like there were moments where it dealt with some pacing or tone issues where it's just like going back and forth. I did enjoy, um, well, I'll save that for later, but in terms of like what I didn't like, there's also something that seemed um, interesting with the characters. It was tough to juggle, I feel. I think James Gunn did the best that he could, and it is really difficult whenever you've got so many characters but Gamora here, uh, she didn't hit as high as what she normally does for me. And I know Rocket's removed, but I really enjoyed like that backstory. We finally get that backstory of his. And I think that... Did you like the way they did it, though? Because I almost felt like it was... It was tough. Like distracting. You know, we're moving the story forward and then we're jumping back. And Yeah, I do think that is another complaint of mine as well, where maybe there was like one or two too many... Uh, flashbacks and I was okay that it was like his end of like he was remembering he was at the end of his life I think that if they were to keep it like that rather than like I said one to two mini cuts going back to that seemed like they were just James Gunn just trying to explore more of that you know Um, just use that as like a deleted scene or whatever and then uh, Craglin uh, Sean Gunn He's fine. He's okay. Like, I didn't... I like the bad dog thing, honestly, with Cosmo. That's one of my favorite things, just because it's... It's a a thread through the entire thing. It's really small. But it just seems like something a dog would just be obsessed with, of, I'm not a bad dog. And I actually like... It added the levity, or at least some, to a pretty heavy story. Which I, I liked his whole arc... Yeah, and I, I would say that uh, that was it was fine. It wasn't anything that now that part was kind of like the joke, the ongoing joke too, that it does like keep especially the payoff, uh, you know, toward the end. But then there's um, like overall, Craglin's okay, um, nothing to like, you know, praise. And um, uh, character-wise, though, I would use that to pivot into the good. Where I mean, 
once again, like I said, James Gunn did a great job of juggling a ton of these characters, a ton of new characters, um, and then a ton of the old characters as well. Um, let me go back. I'll pivot back, though. Adam Warlock, though. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what did you, what'd you think about him? Wasted. Completely Ooh. wasted. I, I yeah. don't think that You know he... what's disappointing is that he's basically... Uh, he's this all-powerful character, but you know they have to make him kind of a putz. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what they did where, you know, anytime, and this has always been an issue with the MCU, but like anytime there's a moment of seriousness, it's always undercut with something doofy. Yeah. And his whole character was not a badass. He was, and then they just needed him to be a dumbass. Yeah. I just, I didn't, he's, he's more dumbass than badass. Very much so. And it's strange because like, I'm okay with him being kind of goofy, but at the same time, it's one way of them just limiting his powers. And I, for the most part, I was okay with that, um, like his powers. But in terms of how much was wasted, how much he was wasted here, that so was not a bummer. even in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, and barely in the movie. In the trailers, I thought, okay, he's going to be the big bad, and then he turns. Which, I mean, that's more or less what happens to a degree. But it was just, he was so, so incredibly, like, kind of shunned. And then his mother, Aisha, played by Elizabeth Debicki, um, mm. she was okay, but I wanted more. Honestly, I wish we got more, either focus on the high evolutionary, which I think that's the stronger part. They That was better. But then Adam Warlock and his mother almost saved that. Save it, you know, for another story or another movie or wh whatever. It just seemed like that could have been something by itself. And I get that he was a high, Adam Warlock was a hired hand, but now it just, it, he just wasted so much. And I, I wanted to see more of him, but of a better version of himself. Yeah. It's like there are really more than anything setting the table for him to be maybe more of what we expect. I also think sure. too, one, I do like that the High Evolutionary is the one that created them. I thought that was a good connection. Yeah. Um, don't you think, though, if, you know, his mom gets wiped off, she just gets, you know, gets, ex mm -hmm. she explodes or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be the turn for him to join the Guardians. And then he's still, like, after them. Yeah. And I didn't fully understand that because I feel like you would be like, oh, the this dude is, uh, now I realize is evil. He just... Killed my mom. Yeah, screw him. Yeah, that's what I was and expecting. It was weird, weird that he didn't turn at that yeah. point. Uh, Will Poulter's fine. I thought the character was fine. I just didn't necessarily like him being a child. Mm -hmm. and it was like they, they wanted to introduce him, and again, they're just setting this up for the future. Did you like Will Poulter's bod? Because he's no Chris Hemsworth, but he looks like a guy that worked out ate right and didn't use PEDs, which I respect. <laughs> yeah, I agree. He, uh, cause we do get that shirtless scene with him whenever he's blown back and like his clothes are burned off. I think so. I, I give his bot a solid, um, I, I out give it a out solid. Out of 10, what are you giving it? Out of 10? Well, what do you want to do out of five? Oh man. Yeah. I don't I know mean, why I did 10. I always do everything out of five. Why would I do that? Let's, let's do, let's do, I would say it's a solid four, maybe four and a half, uh, rocket raccoons out of five. 
Yeah. No. I'd say four, if, right? If, let's say Chris Hemsworth is like a five. Chris Evans in Cap 1 looks amazing. He's got to be four and a half. I'd almost... I'd almost say I, I prefer that bot, bot over the Love and Thunder. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, Will Poulter put in work, but he's like a three out of five. Yeah. I mean, Pratt's got it. When Pratt got fit for this, he I think he looks a little better. Yeah, that's true. Listen, I'm not knocking him. He looks like he did a natural workout, and I respect it. But we're talking about he's basically like a god an almighty that's true basically i mean they'll look at him in like some of his older movies and he was not he was not jacked in any way when so, yeah when when he was like super skinny he put in the work he did uh i, I that's he he's pretty i, I don't know I, i'd say because you do bring up a good i'll say three and a half how about that we'll cut it yeah we'll, we'll give him a nice three and a half um spray tan gold gold spray tans so what about the biggest surprises? Because mine, and we talked about this on the last episode, we predicted character deaths. And we, you had two, I had one. And no one died. And in hindsight, after seeing the movie, I actually think that's the smart move. Leave the door open for anyone to return. Everyone gets basically a happy ending. The whole thing feels refreshing, actually, mm-hmm. to not have anyone die. That was a big shock to me. I was blown away. And... You know, early on when the movie, when when we realized the movie's about saving Rocket's life, you got to cross his name off. I was like, there's no way they're bringing him back You're right. just to kill him. Um, still surprised that, like, Drax didn't die, though I loved his ending. Like, that's it was good. absolutely perfect that he gets to be the dad that he wanted to be. And then, you know, the, the, the second end credit scene is, is played for laughs, but then it reveals the legendary Star-Lord will return. Big. That was a huge shocker yeah. in a good way. Honestly, that's I can't remember the last massive thing the MCU's done that's got me this excited. I love that character. Give me more of him, please. So that was, I feel like, I don't know whose call that was. I don't know if that was James Gunn. I don't know if that's Kevin Feige, but I feel like they're learning from their mistakes of, we don't have to kill off the major pieces. Even if we don't see Drax again, we don't need to kill them off. Keep the door open. And I will say, at the end, whenever Star-Lord runs back to get his Zune, and then he's shooting himself off to go back to the space, to the ship, and he's ballooning up, I thought, he's dead. He's a goner. I did too. Yeah, I really... And the thing is, we never... And this has been an online complaint. I, And I'm going to admit, I never noticed it. The entire movie. He doesn't wear his mask or his helmet. Right. And if he would have died, I think I would have realized it or, you know, read about it later and be like, that's stupid. That would have saved his life. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I really, I thought he was a goner for a good, I don't know, 25 seconds there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought too. And did that make you mad? Were you really upset whenever that happened? I was, I, I was... It's that instant thing of, oh, that takes some balls to do that. But then, like, why? Why are we killing off the best character? Yeah. And they didn't do it, thankfully. Yeah, because I'm like, wow, that's... I felt the same as you, and then I'm like, huh, I don't hate it, but this could be really bad. And then I think the biggest surprise after that, they brought him back, everyone's safe, everyone's happy, 
We get a very happy ending, by the way, which was kind of refreshing, but it all made sense. However, it was like the Return of the Jedi ending where they're all dancing yeah. with Ewoks. That's literally <laughs> what it was. <laughs> yeah, and I don't exactly. mean that in a bad thing. Like I, I was, I walked away happy. It and I think especially after this kind of movie, it felt good though because it was not necessarily a chore to get through this. It wasn't a chore at all, but it was definitely tough at times. And so to have them all have such a happy ending as an audience member, someone watching this, I'm like, wow, that did feel good. But I, I want to say the biggest surprise outside of all of the members of the team surviving was that the legendary Star-Lord will return. That, to me, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's not teasing the Guardians will return. It's the legendary Star-Lord will return. Which I love. There's so many stories you can tell with just him. Now, I'm going to ask you a question because I kind of forgot about this part, but in when Ego died, when they defeat Ego, the part, like the celestial part of Star-Lord also died, right? I believe so. Right. And I did wonder when he gets bloated. I'm like, why? I feel like he would be able to survive that. And I, I do believe yeah. that because Ego died, he lost that. The ability, because I think, okay. I think ego threatens him numerous times of just like you're. If you don't do this, you're gonna lose that piece of you. Like if you if yeah. you go forward with trying to kill me, that's funny because I ended up going back and I watched. Uh, I was going through clips and because I told you I'm like I'm gonna watch both of these and there's an opportunity for me to see this sooner, and that was a surprise. I'm because I'm like I'm not gonna be able to watch this until Sunday. And then later on in the weekend, well, early on, I was like, oh, wow, I can actually see this. But because of that, I was watching clips and I've never felt more like excited to watch clips. And I was jumping from clip to clip online and even feeling soft on Guardians 2, especially the stuff with Kurt Russell. It's just so freaking good. I love I don't know why you're soft on that second one. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I need to, I, I have to do, I think I might do that too. Rewatch one, two, and I might actually rewatch this in theaters. I debated on it too. I guess another surprise too, kind of thinking about volume two is the Gamora Nebula stuff drove me nuts the first time. Yeah. Because they're just constant, constantly fighting. Nebula has really become a character, especially by the end of this. I'm like, I love this character so much. Me too. She's good. And I love the upgrades that Rocket give her as well, like her arm, her... Um, and I always forget, too, it's like, oh, well, she is a cyborg. And it would only make sense that, like, her and Rocket work really well together. But it actually... This was the first time I felt, I want to see more Nebula. Like, I would be okay if we get more stories that involve her. Because before this... I thought she was okay. Like, she grew stronger in volume two. And then the little bit that we get with her and the uh, Avengers films. But this was the first time that I really, really liked her. Liked her character, that is. I felt, even though I enjoyed being with these characters, I would also be okay if this was a finale for most. Oh, yeah. I'm okay if we don't see the bulk of these people again. Now, the movie is pretty funny, I think, when it's trying to be. I, I My crowd was a small crowd because I saw it early in the morning, but there was laughter at the right moments. 
There's one moment though I want to ask you about. Uh-oh. Kevin, little, little Kevin Feige swore long ago that the MCU would never include an F bomb. Oh. And in this movie, Star Lord says the F word. I want to know if your theater had any reaction because I'm telling you, we were consistently laughing at all the right things that happens, and it was like crickets. Same. I think there was people that were caught off guard, honestly, of just like, oh wow, because there was young kids in the theater. Yeah, I same same for my screening. Um, it was a it was a pretty good crowd. They weren't being ridiculous, but they were in it. And whenever that happened, same same situation, which I do find to be really ironically funny because James Gunn and I was listening to an interview he said that he included that and he's off on the side of the set when they're shooting and he's yelling out lines in a microphone and he was yelling back to Peter which or Chris Pratt to in the script it just said open the door and he said to Chris Pratt he said just yell open the effing door and then they kept it. And he said that Disney, they kind of gave him almost free reign. And Kevin Feige gave him somewhat free reign. And he said that he expected them to come back. But he's like, it was just so funny that we kept it. I'm like, it wasn't funny, though. I mean, it's kind of funny. I don't know if it was necessary. I, I saw that Feige tried to convince him to not do it, but he ultimately let him decide. Oh, interesting. Because the way James Gunn made it sound that I know that he is that Feige very much so is a trying not to, but it didn't seem like it was for this. It was before this movie. But yeah, I mean, it was one of those that it is one of those like kind of, oh, that's a choice. But I don't like looking at it. It's just what really I don't know. Like it also seems somewhat out of character for Peter, kind of. Yeah, no, I feel Maybe like it, it makes sense for him to do it. It's just it does it does seem it does seem kind of I I don't know I I'm very torn on it. There's just something kind of weird about it. I don't want to sound like a prude, but there was a a level I could you could just immediately tell the audience yeah. was just like oh well, that's just so we're doing and that I now. I feel the same way and in, in terms of what what you said because like I enjoy me a good Mar- Marty Scorsese where Joe Pesci is just dropping the f bomb uh, more than any other word, but it just seemed, it was like, oh, that's, huh, okay. But but I do, I was also prepared for it because you... I wish I wouldn't have known. Oh, what? They, before this came out, before this came out, they were, it was like a big stink where they they released the clip and were like, this is the first effort in the MCU. I actually wish I didn't know because I, I, I didn't get it. I knew it was coming. I, I don't know what my reaction would have been if I had gone in completely blind. Well, and see, I was wondering, I'm like, will they bleep it? Will there be like some kind of weird censorship? Yeah. Like a car horn yeah. or something? I thought it would I thought they would actually find a way to not do it. Yeah, and and that's what I was expecting. And so whenever uh so you would text me about it, the first F bomb in the MCU, I'm like, what? And then I and I didn't discover it right away because I think there's something going on at work. And then it was like maybe the next day. And then I'm looking and then I watched the full clip. I'm like, oh, that's uh, but they bleep it in the clip, you know. And I'm like, huh, maybe that's going to I guess maybe they'll bleep it. But maybe there's also a really weird like censorship where they are, wherever 
this planet it what what is happening here maybe it's like a kid friendly place and it's bleep whatever and i'm like we'll see kind of what the context is in the film and then whenever it happened i was like okay like it didn't make me hate it but i'm like this is an interesting way of i don't know it just a choice well kevin's he's get he's getting edgy <laughs> yeah apparently he's trying to make up for all this lost blade time that would otherwise be pretty hard <laughs> r or well i don't i'm assuming i don't even know what yeah i don't know what they're doing with that i was movie. gonna say but at least we are getting an r-rated deadpool 3 so that's going to be yeah more the of the same of what um, those two movies are. music i mean we don't need to spend i know we've already talked about music a lot i like the soundtrack in this the playlist uh it was definitely more songs that i was familiar with i don't know i didn't necessarily i don't know where i would rank this among the volumes but i liked that it leans in the 90s obviously i liked it but it was my least favorite of the three like there yeah it might be my least favorite too and i'm the same way i love 90s but i'm like what is going on this is interesting some of the song choices and especially the cover of Creep at the very beginning where, and James Gunn said that's his favorite version of the song. So I was a little, not caught off guard. I'm like, okay, that's, um, I mean, it's okay, I guess. But then throughout this, it didn't seem to flow. Although I feel like there were more opportunities to make it flow better than in the other two films however I, I do have to say this is my least favorite for the music choices the needle drops comparing this to the other two films now it has a great needle drop in the end credits i don't even that's not a needle drop i don't think because it's not in the movie is that have to be in the movie to right. be a needle drop but they use a bruce springsteen song and that was cool Speaking of those end credits were awesome. I love it. It was just like a scrapbook style. And that was fun. I like that. Yeah, it looked neat. Some uh, TLC went into that. Now, Loves Ooh. Hates, the the new team in the first end credit scene, we have Rocket and his new crew. Groot looks like King Groot. He looks dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Warlock and then the kid who I read about, and I just quite frankly don't care. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, honestly like a, a kid version of Captain Marvel, yeah, from my understanding. Yeah, I, I'm not, it doesn't get me excited for future installments, I'll say that. It's cool that they're doing stuff, but I, that doesn't interest me. And don't forget about little Blart. He's, I mean, it's it's cute. Um, yeah, that doesn't necessarily entice me to, like, that's not the Guardians I want to see. You got to get another heavy hitter, hitter in yeah. there or something. Yeah, even, and here's a weird thing. I would even be okay if we got Captain Marvel. And Oof. as, and I'm even like, as far as the character goes, which will be interesting because we were talking about this before recording, but getting the Marvel's trailer before this. Um, I mean, I know that Captain Marvel does become part of the Guardians at one time, but I mean, I kind of wonder what her camaraderie would be with the rest of the team. But because I feel like that character would work better whenever there is a team. Yeah. You know? We'll see after the Marvels. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be someone. Um, and I've also, like. Put Spider-Man in read, there or something. I don't know. I mean, that would be interesting. Or one of the Eternals. I mean, we got all those characters we, like, have not seen since. What about Camille? Uh, what was his name? Uh, yeah. Kingo? Kingo. 
That would be like, awesome. I mean, just somebody. I need I need somebody. Somebody big. Warlock could be cool, but we need we need a good leader. So do you think that Star-Lord will now be away from the Guardians and he'll have his oh, own like For sure. He's going his own solo. Adventures. Yeah. I think that's it's a space pirate series. Just do him either in space or he's doing stuff on Earth. Do you think that they'll do that, like take his story and turn it into like a Disney Plus show, or will they keep it Ooh. as movies? Nah, keep it, keep it movies. I hope so. I hope so, at least. Now, ranking the Guardians, I don't think anything touches Volume Two. That's my favorite. I would put this at number three. Oh no! Dang it! I would put number three at number two. <laughs> okay, I was like, oh, interesting. And then the first one last, and that's not a bad thing. I like the first one a lot. I just. It doesn't have the emotional levels of this one. It's a good. It's a good send off. I will say this. This will be very interesting. And I almost feel like now, having seen this movie once, I need to end up. I feel like more than any MCU movie, I've wanted to return to this movie more, just because of various not Easter eggs, but like the breadcrumbs of the story and characters. But because of how much I liked it initially. This movie, I think, is number two. I have to go number one, I still like a lot. And I'm putting that at number one. And then number two is number three. Oh. So it goes one, three, two. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. Man, you need to, I, you're going to rewatch the first or the second one. I think you're going to like it better. I got to, I, Here's the thing. And I was going to ask you about rewatchability, but this is already showing my hand. I'm going to have to rewatch the the two films, one, two, and then go and see this movie again in the theater. I mean, there's nothing else coming out this week. We got Ben Affleck's Hypnotic. Well, yeah, let's not knock Hypnotic. <laughs> but what do you think the rewatchability is for Guardians Volume 3? It's pretty high, though. You know, if I had young kids, I wouldn't be settling settling in for the night saying, let's watch Guardians 3, guys. Oh. I bet a lot of families aren't gonna gather the kids around for some animal torture <laughs> yeah that's we'll be skipping over a lot of scenes that's yeah truly terrifying um before we go you know james gunn he's jumped to dc he's gonna try to write that ship he's taken over their universe with peter safran he's writing and directing the new superman movie would you rather him do the superman movie or come back and do guardians four or like Star-Lord solo film. Oh, man, that's a good question. What would you be more interested in? I would say, since we're getting... uh, I I like this break. I don't know if the story came to him as a break, like Guardians 3. Technically, he wrote the script and then got fired from Disney, right? Yeah, he had already had it written. Yeah, and they were originally going to use his screenplay, which is the other weird thing. They were going to keep... They fired him... (laughs) Which is like, if you really had a problem with it, don't use anything that he did. I think I'm more interested in the Superman, to be honest. I'm interested to see what he does with that. I am, for sure. I, I'm um, Especially since he's made some interesting comments about how can you really do a Superman story currently, like in present day. And I've always wondered the same same thing. And I'm just, there's a lot there where I'm just curious what direction he's going to take it. Um, what he will do with that character and then also stories. And overall with DC, I'm very, very curious just to see uh, what what his take will be on 
on everything really uh, DC related. And I will say this does get me a little bit, I can't say more excited, but it does get me as we go in, as we transition from the James Gunn of the MCU to the DC, I'm very curious to see what he will do. I think that it will be, that we'll get more darker stories, um, kind of like the way that this is set up. But I, I know with James Gunn, what he did with the Suicide Squad, there was also a lot of levity for his comedic um, responses or or just structure. However, it does make me concerned if he does go in it all that, like with DC, and it's kind of a free reign, there's a concern of mine because I think, especially Gunn, having a little bit of restraint may have made some of the work in Guardians 1 and 2 better because of that reason. Oh, for sure. That The PG-13 rating was the best thing that's happened to him because he, he had no filter for Suicide Squad, and I think in a lot of ways that hurt that, even though I do right. love that one a lot. I think he's going to make a very traditional Superman. I, I agree. I think he knows what people want. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very much like the classics. I agree. I think that he'll enter the filth in terms of like other villains or whatever. But as far as like Clark Kent and Superman, it'll be pretty clean. But to answer your question, going back to that, yes, I do want to see him take on Superman and the DC before going back to the MCU or doing something like that. And down the road... I would say, depending on what we get, that could be, I mean, I know a lot of people have been speculating, but I agree now, and and uh, even some of his comments recently about how he's so close with Kevin Feige, that could end up setting up a very interesting hybrid of maybe a Marvel versus DC. I think it's almost virtually impossible, but I think it makes it more possible now that he's in charge of DC. Now, depending on what happens in the next two years, that will ultimately determine how long he will be with DC, <laughs> but or I should say Warner Brothers. But um, I, I am very curious to see his spin on DC movies, especially coming out of The Flash, uh, Blue Beetle, and Aquaman. And obviously, those are the three that we get before we get the Gunverse. I hope we don't ever mix those two together. It just does, it's not appealing to me. I don't like it. But um, yeah, we'll wrap it up. I don't know what we're going to do next week. We might have to do hypnotic. <laughs> or we might just not do anything at all. Well, as I told you, I don't. That seems like a really fun movie to burn a pass at. And uh, right now, it's still, still right now, uh, it's uh, showing up in the app as movies coming soon, but no show times. I know. It's got me scared. But we're going to get it. I have a feeling. I have a good feeling. Why would we not? Yeah. It's got, yeah, we have to. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting because there's that, and it seems like it's a bye week for movies and theaters. And then we've got Fast X. Are you getting any more <laughs> hyped for Fast X? No. <laughs> it is I mean at that same level this looks awful, but I'm gonna see it. It it looks it looks major poo-poo. We will have to wait and see what will be next week. But until then, all I can say is keep watching. <laughs>